The moment it feels really terrifying, you have to do it. I know that it feels nice to be comfortable. And it's not like terrified of like walking in a dark alley. That's not that type of terrified. It's like you're anxious and nervous about like a new job. So the moment you feel that, you have to do it. I don't care how scared you are, you have to do it. That's Jordan Duffy, and this is the Powerful Ladies Podcast. Hey guys, I'm your host, Kara Duffy, and this is the Powerful Ladies Podcast, where I invite my favorite humans, the awesome, the up to something, and the extraordinary to come and share their story. I hope that you'll be left entertained, inspired, and moved to take action towards living your most powerful life. Jordan is the first female audio engineer at Earwolf Stitcher, a podcasting company where she works on podcasts such as Hollywood Handbook, Best Friends, Bitch Sesh, Spanish Aki Presents, Yo Is This Racist, Query, Conan Bryan Needs a Friend, and so many more. Basically, she's a badass. She's also a singer-songwriter, the engineer here on the Powerful Ladies podcast, and my sister. On this episode, she shares how to chase your dreams and say yes to opportunities, even when you're broke. What it's really like to chase a career as a musician, her personal experiences with sexual assault, and breaking news on when her new album is coming out. All that and so much more coming up. But first, this episode is brought to you by Audible.com. I love reading. I love books. To me, it is the fastest way to learn whatever you want to learn in the whole world, whether it's about people, places, things, or how to. And of course, Powerful Ladies is all about empowering you guys to have the skills and information you need to live your best life. One of the fastest ways you can do that is by having an Audible subscription. You can listen to any book pretty much in the entire world, anywhere you want on the go, in your car, in traffic, when you're working out at the gym, even you know on your smart speaker when you're cooking dinner at home. It's such an amazing tool to use. Through Powerful Ladies, you guys get a super bonus where you can get two free audiobooks to start. And then after 30 days, you get one book each month for $14.95. Plus, you get 30% off the price of any additional audiobook purchases. You can also find all the books we recommend on the Powerful Ladies resources where we link both the hard copy book and the Audible book. So you can choose whichever one suits your way of reading. Go to Powerful Ladies today and click on the Audible uh, banner and you can get this amazing deal right now. Well, I am really excited that... I am not excited. (laughs) I'm just kidding. What? (laughs) I need you to generate, Jordan. (laughs) No, I'm excited that this is episode 22 which yeah. obviously is an important number for me. It's an important number for me because it's an important number for you. I feel like yes. it's a very important number for our whole family. Well, what's really exciting is if you believe in numerology, 22 is a power number. And like numerology, you can look at your birthday or your name and like break it out into numbers. And Jesus and Elvis add up to 22 or 11. They're both like double power numbers. So mm. I'm just going to say it's a great power number and we should all have it. It is. 22 for everyone. <laughs> yeah, yes. Yeah. That should be a new shirt. 22 for everyone. I'll, I'll put that on the list. <laughs> Perfect. Um, well, I think that you should tell everyone who you are and introduce yourself. And then we get to talk about how awesome you are. So start there. Okay. 
Um, hi, everyone. My name is Jordan Duffy. Uh, I currently am the first female audio engineer at Earwolf, and I help sometimes on Stitcher. And from very little time, I help on exactly right when they need need someone <laughs> extra hands. What is exactly right? Exactly right is the network that was uh, created by uh, my favorite murder ladies by Georgia Hardstark and Karen Kilgariff. So. I have met and helped out Stephen Ray Morris, and uh, they were like the first podcast that uh, <laughs> I really like binged on. Yeah. Like the moment I started there, uh, I, I had listened to them. I continued and couldn't stop listening. Now, because I'm so busy, I'm behind, but <laughs> I can't keep up with anything. How does it feel to be the first female audio engineer in podcasting? I... Never thought anything different of it. Mm -hmm. I was like, great. I have like, it kind of hit me that it was more of my dream job. Yeah. And that's what I was focusing on. And then to really s figure out that I'm the first female. Yeah. Was a totally different like emotion. And it's like, oh my God, I'm, I don't know if I'm good enough for this. <laughs> like, I'm not prepared for this. And really, I mean, I'm not the first female audio engineer at all. Like mm -hmm. there are plenty of yeah women out there but to be the first female at this company yeah holy moly yeah and for people who don't know earwolf midroll like tell them what that company is so stitcher is the largest podcast network earwolf is the like literally just a sibling mm -hmm. uh part of the network and midroll is actually the largest um podcast advertising company which so, is named after the the mid-podcast advertisements that are inserted. Yes. Because that's like the prime real estate for yeah. podcast advertising. Yeah. So when I applied for the job, it was for mid-roll. Yeah. And then I was being interviewed for both Earwolf and Stitcher. Mm -hmm. And the question came up, like, do you want to be more with dramatic podcast, which is more Stitcher, or comedy, which is Earwolf? Um, and I love to laugh. So I picked Earwolf. Well, for people who don't know, you're my sister. Yes. You're also the audio engineer, producer, composer, editor, all things Powerful Ladies Behind the Scenes podcast. Yeah. And you're often, you know, joining us in, in the conversation as well. Mm -hmm. And you're my sister. Um, so obviously I'm super pumped on you having this awesome job. And that you live in California now, so I get to bother you and make you work all your weekends to work with me yes. on Powerful Ladies. Yeah. So huge thank you to you being dedicated to Powerful Ladies and the fact that you're working your ass off mm -hmm. for your day job and then working your ass off for my passion. And I am committed now that we've started, you know, calming down how many episodes we're recording, because we were, were recording five a weekend. And, that was a lot. <laughs> and now now I'm calming down because, I, like, you need to have a life just like I do. Yeah. So I just want to give everyone, I just want to acknowledge you and let everybody know what a badass you are. Oh, thank you. Because you're not just a audio engineer. You are also a singer-songwriter. Mm-hmm. And you went to audio engineering school because you wanted to have full control over the music that you were creating. Yeah. I, I went to uh, Worcester State University for 
music, actually. So I have my BA in vocal performance. Shout out Worcester. 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 Um, and after college, I was completely lost and trying to figure out how to get where I wanted to go. Which was where? I wanted to, not only did I want to be a professional singer, but I wanted to just be anywhere where there was like recording or studios because I think you've even noted, like have seen me where I've walked into a studio and like, that's just my sanctuary. Yeah. Yeah. I Um, will never forget taking you to, um, what's the school in Boston? Berkeley College of Music. Yeah. Berkeley College of Music where a lot of musicians have come from. And, um, I went with you on the tour when you were looking at it to go to school and I had never seen you light up like that before. And it's funny because I've seen you like nerd out and fan out and mm-hmm. get excited. It wasn't that type of excitement. It was acknowledging for the first time that there are this whole world of people like you. Oh, yeah. And you were like, I remember you looking at me like, <gasps> like just eyes open, like this is the best, the coolest thing ever. Like, like this is it. We can nerd out <laughs> and play with equipment and music and make songs all the time. Um, yeah, and then I was heartbroken when I applied and didn't get in. Yes, but look at Too you bad now. for you, Berkeley. Too yeah. bad. <laughs> Too bad. Too bad. Um, yeah, it was it was that moment and like a few moments before because uh, dad, we have very supportive parents. Yeah. And dad would take me to studios to like help me, help me not be so shy and sing stuff. And uh, my actually radio debut, if we want to call it that, was in New York on like a New Jersey, New York radio station. I totally forget it now. But I was like 13, 14 years old and I entered a like karaoke for kids contest mm-hmm. and I played one of my songs. Um, but in the studio, I was like, oh, this is awesome. Like even even being that young, not noticing how much I liked it until later when I kept going to studios and going to studios and then finally hit me that I was like, I... I just want to be in one all day. Yeah. That's all it is. And the reality is for anyone who is passionate about music, whether singer-songwriters or, you know, playing instruments professionally, there's so many different avenues to take your passion for music. It's not easy for anybody. Like, even the people where it looks easy and glamorous, it's hard. Like, you're on tour all the time. You never get to not work. It's there's of course a lot of rejection just like any other performing career. Um, I know that you've you know tried out for some of the like performing contest shows. So maybe do you want to talk about that experience? Like what you've what you dealt with trying that. I I have mixed feelings on it because you wait for like fifteen hours, mm. and this is like for like an example would be like an American Idol type show. Yeah, I think I did American Idol, X Factor, and then The Voice. Mm-hmm. Um, and I actually went to college with a gentleman who won The Voice in Brazil. <laughs> so um, I know people who've actually won the competitions in other countries. But you spend fifteen hours to then sing for thirty seconds, be judged right on the spot. Be told, great job, come back next year, and totally dismissed. Yeah. So it's like, oh, great, I wasted like 15 hours of my life. And that's how it feels. Mm -hmm. Um, But then there are the fortunate people who 
go through and make it on the TV show. But there's also a lot of, um, with additional people who I've talked to, the moment you sign the contract to be on the show, you're really like the next 10 years of your life are are with that company or with that network. And you can't do anything else, Mm -hmm. which is the part that like really hit me after I was like, Oh man, like if I had made it or if I was on the show, I could not do any other music stuff because I would have been in that contract. Yeah. And then, and people don't talk about that. Right. And as you're hustling as a musical performer, you're looking for any opportunity to, you know, get support and make albums and get, um, just exposure. Yeah. And you think it's, you think it's the best thing and you're like, this is it. This is going to like make me famous or get my career going. And it's like, it's, it was a blessing in disguise, honestly, that it never worked out. I know that you were so bummed every time that it happened because it's totally normal when people are like, no, no thanks that you doubt everything. Even though to your point, it was like 30 seconds. You're like, you didn't even let me tell you my story or sing a full sentence. Yeah. And you let the guy who took off all his clothes and sang horribly through. Yeah. So it's like, oh, I'm not good enough. And I'm really not good enough. Yeah. Great. Thanks. If that guy made it, I <laughs> suck. Should I take off my clothes? Like, how am I going to get in here? <laughs> like, Well, and you, you wonder, like, how much of that is, obviously, it's all about getting ratings and, oh, yeah. you know. The drama behind it all. Yeah. So, um, yeah, we can move on. But so you go to Worcester State, you um, get a degree in musical performance, correct? Yeah. When you were in college, like, did it feel awesome to be getting a degree in music? Like, what was it like to go through that experience at Worcester State? Um, So I was actually the first person to graduate with um, the actual full term is visual and performing arts uh, degree um, where, so I'm the first person. So not everything is like grounded. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I sang opera. I did different genres. I had professors fight with me and tell me that I don't have a good singing voice. And then I have other teachers who are like, you need to continue with opera because you have a three to four active range. And that's, wild Mm -hmm. and you can't not do stuff with that um and my my big thing in college was it wasn't necessarily proving anyone wrong it was proving people that I did have the capability and have this voice to do different genres I had a lot of people tell me that if you're a singer you have to choose one genre and I never wanted to do that Mm -hmm. I wanted to do all I wanted to do hip-hop I wanted to do opera I wanted to my, like, thesis, like, senior thesis for my, like, capstone, which is a big, like, performance, um, I did a whole page about Blondie, mm-hmm. how she rapped in her song and sang in it. I and, love Blondie. Yeah. And that was a huge thing in the 80s. She was one of my biggest influences growing up. Yeah. She was a good influence. Mm-hmm. Um, so the I was, like, my senior year... I was a crazy student. My, I think my senior year, I, I had eight classes one semester. Eight. Which, like, the norm would be, like, maybe, like, four or five. Yeah. So I was doing eight. And I had, like, African drumming course. I had, uh, I did chorale a few days a week. I did every music class I could. And there were a lot of challenges. I had, um, like, one professor in particular. I don't remember his name. Yeah. 
he would just like challenge me so much. And he was the professor who at the end of my senior capstone was like, I am so sorry. I didn't know you could sing like that. And I take everything back. That's wild. Yeah. So with having people doubting you like the whole time, right? All like, the time. I, I think when you I think to this day. <laughs> yeah. So when you when you know that your passion is music mm-hmm. and you are doubted the whole way through, like what do you do to keep going with it and to not give up on it? It's it's hard. I don't think I'm a normal musician. I and how I say this is it's not anything negative towards musicians, but I've met a lot of musicians who are very confident, very, very confident. And they just have this mentality where I like, I feel like I'm very, very humble and I like help others like get better. And even when I was in the chorale, I was trying to help all of the sopranos and the altos and tenors like trying to help everyone have a great piece so for me it was I was very shy growing up Mm -hmm. I think I don't think I hurt I'd let um our mom and dad as Kara (laughs) the ankles with the headphones I smack myself (laughs) with the headphone yeah um I don't think I let mom and dad hear me like sing sing in public maybe like 12 I mean dad said he would pay you to sing and and I refused which is I, just silly. I don't know why. I was so shy. I didn't want anyone to hear me. It's like I had this like weird secret. I didn't want anyone to know it. Well, I get that because when you have a secret that matters to you, yeah, it's safer not to let anyone else see it because then they can't ruin it. Yeah. So, but you also can't ever live out your big, amazing life if no one knows about it. Oh, exactly. Yeah. So, for and for me, like to this day, I still need to know where I'm singing, what I'm singing, if I know all the words. Like, I get so, I've realized in the past few years, I get so anxious before a performance, even an open mic. I guess because I'm like, you're not good enough for this. I don't know if you can do this. And like the moment I sit down with the guitar and I start playing, I'm like, why? Yeah. Why are you so nervous about this? But no, growing up, I was super shy and I didn't want to sing in front of people. I remember being in car rides mm-hmm. with mom and dad and like singing very softly to the window yeah. and dad being like sing louder i can't hear you and i'm like no i don't want to sing <laughs> meanwhile he's playing your cd in the car all the time and i'm like dad listen i oh love jordan gosh. too but like can we i don't want to hear the song anymore it kills me mm-hmm. it's so i love dad for doing that but i think it's so funny he's like i was listening to your songs the other day and i was like you mean the city a cd that i made 10 years ago Okay, thanks, Dan. So speaking of, of, you know, making new music, when does your next album come out? That's a great question. Let's make a commitment right now because the audience is going to want to buy it. Um, since we now had our fun schedule change, I can actually go into production with yes. my stuff. Schedule change that Jordan's referring to is that I'm not making her record five episodes <laughs> a weekend anymore so she can have a life. <laughs> um, so that's... It, this year is my I really want to accomplish that. I at least want to get four songs yeah. done done. I think you can do more than that. It's money. It's a lot of money to do stuff. I don't have all the needs to create this music. I mean, I can. Yeah. 
but I, I need like either additional equipment. I yeah. need additional things. I luckily have met some more people who can help me with this. Mm-hmm. And again, it's just, it comes down. I don't think people realize how expensive even making one song is. I know that I have done it, yeah. but it's not to like the level of professionalism I want. I want it like. Done, done. Yeah. Well, I say that we make a commitment right here on this show that you will have an album out either at Christmas time. I could do that. Okay. I can make that commitment. You guys heard it here first. New Jordan Duffy album available for Christmas. Should it be Christmas related? <laughs> no, I think it just needs to be a kick-ass <laughs> album. Yeah. Okay. Um, well, that's very exciting. I'm, I'm excited to, to make that happen. Me too. Just send my, my juju and my resources your way. Perfect. Um, so let's talk about, so obviously you're doing audio engineering. Yeah. And you love it. Yeah. So I think this is a really important point to make for people who are passionate musicians and you don't want to sell out on not living out your purpose. And you can love other things too. Like you don't need to, it's not trading one for the other. In fact, I think it's really... What's the word? Like it's it's not it's not giving up one. It's just expanding what your interests are. So what have you been doing along your path that hasn't been music related that has been like your job? Oh, okay. Um my very, very, very first job was actually music related, but um it was I think I was ten. And it was just uh, our dad owned a hardware store, and one of the random employees also had a radio station, which, if he hears this, hi. Uh, but you have a terrible station. It was like te- it was like the worst of the 1920s music. There are great 1920s big band music. He chose the worst, and it always rubbed me the wrong way. And you're a 10-year-old <laughs> being mad about, about big band music that's like the worst kind. You're I like, what so 10-year-old mad. even knows what this music is? I was so mad. Um, but what I would do is I would take the CDs he bought, load them into the system, and then they would be automatically played on air at random. And that was like my first job job. Yeah. Um, and then obviously I would help our dad out in the hardware store. Mm-hmm. Um. But my first job, I was in high school, and I also worked at a hardware store. Um, And from that time to uh, probably like to 24, each job was so different. Mm -hmm. And definitely, I I got questioned a lot if I knew what I was doing because I was a female. All the time? All the time. Especially working at a hardware store where there, I was the only female. Yeah, I feel like I've had a lot of jobs where like I'm the only female. Well, I mean, when when Dad owned the hardware store in Cambria, California, obviously, all of us were working there. Yeah, like even our brother at like what eight nine was working the register sometimes. Yeah. We um, knew how to count back change. I think at one point Dad taught me how to make paint. Yeah. Which is, for those who have worked at hardware stores, it's a number game. Like, you're just hitting the number and, like, putting the... It's a formula. It's a recipe. Yeah. But, like, to have a 8, 10-year-old know yeah. how to do that. And then some, like, like guy comes in and be so, like, I need, like, a gallon for blah, blah, blah. And you have this 8-year-old making One pain. second, Tom. Hold on. <laughs> yeah. And he's, like, this big construction worker. Like, what the hell is going on yeah. right now? Well, I remember Mom talking about how there were certain customers who wouldn't deal with her. Yeah. Like, they just didn't want to deal with a woman in a hardware store. There we go, right to dad. Yeah. It's, I mean, whatever. Yeah. It's dumb, but 
And I get that, but even at 17, working in this hardware store in Massachusetts, Massachusetts, um, a lot of customers would completely dismiss me. Mm -hmm. And I knew a lot of stuff about a lot of hardware things, not only from our dad's store, but just genuinely working there and helping out other customers. And dad was always really good because he, there's obviously three daughters and then our brother. Yeah. And it didn't matter. Like, our parents do not care. Gender did not matter. No. Whatever had to get done, we were getting done. Like, the number of stories I have of standing on, like, a one-inch window sill to hang things with dad Mm -hmm. when I'm like, I'm pretty sure I'm going to die right now. He's like, you're fine. You're fine. I got you. I'll catch you. I'm like, "There's, I'm a grown adult. You are not going to catch me. The best was when he asked you to hold the ladder and you're like four years old. Oh, yeah. He's like, I'm just going to run up here. Just hold the bottom of the ladder. Okay. I'm poor. It's like he was just told that someone had to hold the ladder. So you count. You're you're a human. You're it. Um, The other negative thing to the hardware store is... um, And this continued to, like, my next job is, um, like, I had a customer, like, grab and pull me. Mm -hmm. Like, 100%. I didn't know at that time. 100% assaulted me right in the middle of the store. And I didn't know what was going on. I knew at that moment that, like, oh, this (laughs) this isn't cool. But I'm 17. I'm the only one kind of in the store because, like, my boss is in the back. And it's, I didn't think of telling anyone. Like, pulled you, grabbed you how? Like grabbed your ass or no? He like fi- he physically grabbed my arm. Like I I stepped backwards because mm. um, I didn't want to be that close to him, and he pulled my arm and like pulled me into him. Mm. Yeah, it was slimy. Yeah, I think I'd rather have my ass grabbed than someone do that. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. So, and he was like, "Oh, show me this thing and show me that thing," and I'm like, "I have to ring up these other customers. <laughs> like, please go away, creep." Yeah. Um. And unfortunately, that, like, another incident happened at the next job I had. Um, Which the next job I had, I worked at a lovely food store where (laughs) I feel a lot of people have worked in food stores and have many either weird or stupid stories of it. It's like working um, in the restaurant world. It's like there's a – Yeah. Wherever you get a lot of short-term employees, there's always ridiculous stories, I think. Yeah. So I am in college now. So this is my college job, like maybe 10 hours a week. And I worked in the food service and pizza department. So I literally handmade pizza. Like I had to make the dough. Mm -hmm. Um, I would cook the rotisserie chickens that everyone buys. And I had uh, had no problem with anyone. I was super, super nice. Um, And one of the security guards said a comment to me and what kind, like a sexual comment or a demeaning comment he came over to get a sandwich yeah and i was like oh how can i uh, like uh, what would you like and he's like i'd like you and i'm like oh <laughs> okay I don't i'm going to vomit in your sandwich now. <laughs> exactly so i was so uncomfortable i finished making him his sandwich rang it up and i went straight to my manager and i was like hey just so you know the security guard said this to me Made me super uncomfortable. Thank God for that manager. I will thank him every day. He was he had, he had kids of his own. Mm-hmm. Super great guy. Um, reminded me of our dad. Yeah. And he was like, "Oh, this isn't cool." So they talked to, and I hate I hate to, like drama and dilemmas, and I don't mm-hmm. like I want to fix it asap. Right. Like, and I would have talked to the security guard and been like, "Hey, 
not cool. But I, again, I'm still young. I don't know everything that's happening. Well, he had a talking to, um, and things escalated. Um, he would park right next to my car. So I have to be walked out to my car every night. Um, they, he would stare at me during his shifts when I would be in the pizza department and like no one believed me. Did you file me. a police report or like what's the next thing, what's the next step with that? Um, I don't know what the next step is with that because he was like our main security guard at the food store. Well, which is the crazy part because that's supposed security. Yeah. Oh, no, no, no. You're creepy. For anyone listening, if you're having a similar experience, please call the police and file a report. Yes. In my in my case, my managers knew, mm-hmm. and it wasn't until like I said again, "Hey, like this is what's happening." He's, I have to be walked out to my car. Mm-hmm. He's staring at me during my shifts. Like you're not even outside to make sure everything's okay. Mm-hmm. And finally, the last straw was it was a super super busy like Friday night in the pizza shop. I literally had to have the store manager help me make pizzas. Mm-hmm. And he noticed, and he timed it. The security guard came in, watched me for an hour. And then finally my manager, like, without telling me, because I didn't notice, I was making pizzas, Mm -hmm. he ran over to the guy and threw him out and fired him on the spot. And I I was so paranoid, I took a different way home every Mm day. And you didn't, like, you didn't live far from there, so... I lived one minute away. Right, so you had to, like, do some crazy routes. Yeah. Yeah. So I was like terrified for Mm -hmm. the next couple months because I obviously know it's me. Like I had no idea if he was doing it to anyone else, but like every other shift, like. And then after you got fired, did it stop? It did stop. And And he wasn't a creep that like came back even though he wasn't working there. Luckily, luckily. Um, But like, oh, it like it sucks to be in that position. And then in the middle of this, so I'm still in college, um, I had a guy I was dating and his friend Yeah. Um, one night uh, sexually assault me. Um, what else can you say about that? Like sexual assault means so many things. Sexual assault does mean so many things. And thank yeah. you for asking that. I was not raped. Yeah. I was pulled. I was grabbed. My clothes were ripped off. I was pinned against a wall. And luckily, I I don't know how, but, like, I threw them off of me and, like, threw them out of the house. Mm-hmm. And n- at that moment, nothing hits you. Yeah. And you don't know what's going on. And how did the, how did the whole thing start? Because I think it's important for people to know, like, how these situations begin, right? Like, you're thinking, oh, I'm just the, the guy I'm dating is coming over. He's bringing his friend. We're just going to hang out. Yeah. I was super, that's all it was. I mm-hmm. invited them over. My my roommates either were out and doing stuff, so it was just me. Yeah. And um, I did, was only, had been seeing this guy for like maybe a month mm-hmm. and wasn't expecting anything to happen. Like I asked them if they wanted drinks or mm-hmm. blah, blah, blah. And it like escalated with the guy I was dating, like, I kept saying, like, no, I don't want to, like, kiss you right now. Like, we have people in the house. Like, I don't want to do this. And, like. Right. Just being aggressive. Being aggressive. And then, like, his friend joined in. And I was like, okay, this isn't cool anymore. Yeah. So. It wasn't cool before. Now it's really not cool. Yeah. So. And completely touching me inappropriately. And I was like, I'm. uh, I don't know what. Like, and it finally, like, triggered me. And I was like, 
okay, no, this isn't cool. And I completely like what whatever guardian angel was watching yeah. me, like I threw them off of me. I swung open the front door and I was like, get the fuck out. Yeah. And they called me as they're walking down the stairs, a cunt and a bitch. Oh, thank I was like, you. thanks. Not the first time I've been called that. Thanks. So that like to have the security guard incident and to have that on top of it. Yeah. And then like I was like completely different at work. Mm-hmm. I didn't want to play music anymore. Mm-hmm. I didn't want to do anything. Yeah, because you when it when when any any time that you are the reoccurring theme in scenarios, you start to think that it's you. Yeah. And I can vouch for knowing you, but like you are there's nothing about you that would trigger all the classic there like you didn't do anything to deserve that. No. Like you're you're there's nothing that people could say of like all the horrible classic ways they try and blame women for bringing it upon themselves. Yeah. Like there's nothing that you, you were at work just doing work stuff. Yeah. You weren't like you weren't you were dressed I wasn't modestly. tempting anyone. Right. You weren't trying to do any of that stuff and um I felt disgusting at work. I have flour all over me from like tossing Pizza. I was the only pizza person. Oh, also like threw the dough in there. Just imagine <laughs> like his weird like flower fetish that he must have or something. Oh yeah, and I can to this day I can remember his face because he reminded me of a character in a movie, like a creepy guy. Yes. So you have all these instances that happen. How does it change how you relate to men and relate to dating? Dating has been very hard. Yeah. Um, especially with. Like that happening, like it's someone you're dating and it's exciting and new. And then like them and their friend mm-hmm. do that to you. And it's um, uh, after that, it like your trust goes out the window. And, and I imagine it must be hard because you, um, you, we've moved a lot as a family. Yeah. And then as an adult, you've moved a lot as well. And now you're out here, which I'm excited to talk about how you got here. Yeah. story too, but... I think it, when you have examples in your history of not being able to trust people, and then when you move a lot and you have to hang out with strangers just to become friends, let alone to date people, I imagine that it's harder to put yourself in situations when, like, yes, you want to be social because you're a very social person. Yeah. Like, I, it's you're so shy, but I think reality is that you're actually um, an extrovert, not an introvert. Of like how you get your energy from people. Yes. I am 100% like I need to be around people to get that energy. Right. And so when you move somewhere and you don't know anybody. Oh, and then it's you're crushing. Nervous. It's yeah. So, it sucks so much. <laughs> and then, But then you're also nervous. Like you might not want to go to a bar by yourself to meet strangers because like that's shady. Like you, you don't have a wing woman. No. Yeah. I couldn't. Um, also, it doesn't help because I met this guy mm-hmm. at a club. So, like, to have, like, I was dating him, I met him at a club, it's like, okay, don't do this, don't do this, don't do this. So it's like, what do I do now? I love dive bars, because you just sit down and talk to people, (laughs) so that's fine with me. But, no, I mean, you're in your young 20s, and you're, like, clubbing with friends and meet people, and that's how I met him. Which is a totally normal scenario. Yeah, 100% normal. Tons of people meet that way and start dating that way. It just usually doesn't end the way it did for you. Yeah. Um. And the, I would like to add this part because this is like the worst part for me. Mm-hmm. Um, 
I was at the gym one day and like putting lotion on and like another lady was talking to me and she's like, oh man, can I, can I borrow that lotion? Like I have, I forgot mine at home. I'm like, yeah, of course, no problem. And like we're chatting and we walk out of the locker room together and he's standing right there and it's his mom. No. Yeah. Did you? I was a ghost. I just stopped. And she was like, thanks so much. Have a good day. And he saw me and he was a ghost. So, like, that ruined everything, too. What did it ruin? The gym. <laughs> well, okay, that I get. But, I, I mean, it, what I hear in that share is that her son was an ass. And she has no idea. And she has no idea. And she's probably a really nice lady who did everything she could to raise him the yeah. best she could. And this also um, probably my issue with religion is because he came, his dad was a pastor. Yeah. He came from a really religious family. He just sounds like a dick. He is. Yeah. I I know his full name and everything. I don't know his friend's name, but like every other day I, I, I like want to write a letter to his dad. Who's like this huge thing of like some religious stuff and be like, Hey, your son's an asshole. Mm -hmm. And like, at, a, at that brief time, ruined my life. Is there anything that you could do on your own side to forgive him? Because I'm a firm believer in, like, hating people and not forgiving people. It doesn't punish them. It punishes you. And so what would it look like for you to forgive him? And, like, be free of that moment. I don't know. I I know today mm. that I'm much better than I was right after it happened. For sure. Um, and I kept blaming myself mm-hmm. for it. But as far as forgiving him, like, I have no idea what he was going through. Yeah. Like, if I'm going to play the devil's advocate and mm-hmm. maybe be on his side, I have no idea. And I have no idea what his friend was going through. Like, yeah, or on. Or on, Not yeah. that it excuses it, but just no. to give it context. Yeah. Um, but, like, to put someone in that position mm-hmm. and clearly me screaming no and get off of me. Yeah. Like, if why would you continue? I mean, there's... I don't know that there's an absurd number of women who are asking the same question yeah. around the world. And obviously, well, maybe not obviously, my perspective, just looking at it anthropologically, is it's all about power. It's all about, you know, whatever that person is lacking that they're trying to um, oh, yeah. well, if, have if, over other people. Yeah. If it, it's If it's power mm-hmm. and taking my power— yeah, you succeeded in that time frame. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Good job. But no, it's today, like, thinking, like, it it comes up randomly. Like, I could be in the shower. I could be driving. I could, mm-hmm. like, literally could be at dinner. And, like, that moment will come up, and it's like, oh, crap. <laughs> Why did you come up right now? Like, who yeah. knows? And it's, I am okay today. I... I, for me, I feel like I don't need to continue, mm-hmm. like, I'm talking about it now Yeah. to, like, let other people know that, like, yeah, shit happens and you get through it. Mm-hmm. But 
for me today, that one, like maybe two minute yeah. incident does not define me. No, of course not. No. And that's also why I would love to, you know, circle back to how awesome you are because, yeah. you know, we're, I really appreciate that you, we've put some time into that part of your life because I think it is important for other people to know what's happened and to see that like, yeah, that's, those are like lines in my book, but they're not a whole chapter and they're not even the book. Yeah. Um, anything else you want to say about that before we move on? I would say when someone, I have only opened up about that mm-hmm. to like a few people until now. Right. right. <laughs> Many people here now. Um, but especially to uh, people that I've dated. Yeah. And they have completely changed. So. How so? They don't talk to me anymore. Yeah. They don't know how to deal with me anymore. Yeah. They don't know if they can touch me anymore. And it's like, I didn't express it to like (laughs) make this negative. I'm expressing it because. You're sharing your story. I'm sharing. And like, there might be a moment where like, if I freak out, like I don't mean to. And we can discuss it further. But it's. No, I've had. I remember telling like two guys who I was interested in and like trusting in. Mm -hmm. And they like ghosted me. Well, I would like to tell those guys right now, thank you for ghosting you. <laughs> because, shit, if they can't handle you telling them a story about, like, what your real life is, then fuck those guys. So, yeah, thank you for moving on. Yeah. I mean. But I'm also, I'm saying it because don't judge the person who's telling you. Oh, yeah. And also don't ask them, what did you do wrong? Well, I, th- I think that's part of why the conversations that we're having today with the Me Too movement are important because yeah. it's not about what did somebody do wrong. You know, it's it's um, the people who things occur to, and I'm intentionally not using the V word because I don't, I think it's a word we need to get out of our vocabulary, but the people to who the negative impacts happen to, like they didn't do anything wrong. They were there. And I, I know it is so hard to, you know, for playing that game, everything is love or a lesson. And at the end of the day, it all becomes love. It's like, fuck, I don't want to make this a lesson or love. But think about how much that if you really look at it, what can you say you got from it that has made you a better person or changed who you are for the better? I think it's made me realize I'm more powerful than I thought. In what way? And that even though I went through that experience and, and experiences, experiences, it's um, I'm mentally am prepared for certain situations or for certain things. Not that I, I want to be prepared for like yeah. expecting something to happen, but um, I know that whatever does happen, mm-hmm. it's fine and I will be okay. Yeah. And tomorrow is a new day. Yep. Well, and I think something that is really beautiful that's come out of it, and you might not, I don't, that's not the only reason that you have been this, but you have always been such an advocate for everyone being loved and respected. Yeah. You know, you, um, at your, um, when you were in Kentucky working for a, um, what cable I would say cable design okay a design yeah. agency um 
you were a big advocate for changing the HR policies to be inclusive for women, for LGBTQ, uh, for diversity in general. Yeah. And you've always been very outspoken for, like, people. Yeah. Even when you were really little. And I would credit some of the personal experiences that you've had for being a more vocal voice. Like, you are so... um, like happy and even keeled and chill. But the second that somebody does something that you are not okay with, (laughs) oh yeah, you become like mama bear in like such an extreme way of like not tolerating. Like you do not tolerate the bullshit, which I think is so important because so many people do. Yeah. I would say that I probably stand up for people who don't realize they need standing up for. A hundred percent. Yeah. And, and, um, you know, it's, it's, there's an irony to like standing up for people who, for others. Yeah. And then like, how do you really stand up for yourself in life? And it's not about standing up for yourself in situations of, you know, discrimination or assault even, but one of my favorite things to look at, and I use favorite loosely because it's not fun to do this to yourself, but once you do it, like you get so much out of it is to look at where are you um, compromising on yourself? Yeah. It's such a, it's like one of those carpets you pick up and you're like, damn it, I've been hiding so much stuff under it. Yeah. You know, and and, that, and for people who don't know what that means, it's like, or I'm not making sense to, like looking where you give up on yourself in regards to either your dreams or it can be smaller things, like commitments you make to yourself, like to get up and go to the gym, to, you know, eat more organically, to um, make sure you're you're putting time in for yourself. Women in particular are so good at sacrificing themselves for other people and for the community and for the family. And when we look at how many times we aren't there for ourselves, it can be really painful to, to notice how often we are willing to compromise um, you know, with ourself. And you also might not be realizing it. So for sure. Yeah. To go back to like me saying that for other people. Yeah. Some of the cases have like been where people have thought I'm upset about something. I'm like, no, like, um, and I, I can tell like the one story in, um, in Kentucky. So Kentucky, Oh, Kentucky. I have mixed feelings on Kentucky. Do I think it's a beautiful state? Yes. Do I also think that a lot of things need to change. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I had I worked with a lot of a lot of LGBT people at my company, and I didn't think that their like rights mm-hmm. were part of stuff. I actually went through the whole HR work handbook and <laughs> gave HR notes to be like, "Hey, you didn't include like." Uh, gay marriage on here you didn't include rights for trans uh people you didn't and i literally sent them a list of everything that they had incorrect in their handbook and they were like oh okay and i was like yeah if you don't fix it then i'll need to go to someone else and like that day they fixed it um but it was a lot about like you and your partner will have insurance and it was more like heterosexual heterosexual and i was Mm -hmm. like you need to have like you need to be clear in the handbook that it's all partnership. Yeah. So if someone's listening and they're like, 
started the podcast. She's like, Jordan sounds awesome. We should hire her. <laughs> and then they get to this point and they're like, shit, she causes a lot of trouble. We're no, not going to hire her. I don't cause trouble. It's, I'm so hardworking. You are. And I never want someone to feel like their work isn't valuable. Yeah. No, I get it. I was teasing you a little bit no, because I, know. I wanted to. No, it could sound like that. Be like, yeah. wow, this girl. Had, like, it, I've just had some unfortunate events mm -hmm. with, like. I, I, th I but, would, if I'm allowed to yes, summarize yes, for yes, you. Yes, yes, I think that you do work your ass off. You're one of the hardest working people I know. You're super organized. You're super smart. I know that. Um, you know, you've been getting rave reviews everywhere you've worked, right? Like people want you on their team because you contribute everything you've got and you, you're you just impressive with your work ethic and your abilities. Yeah. I remember when I was working at Reebok, I brought you to work for a week. How I, old was I? Like 13, 14? 13 or 14, yeah. And um, the way that you were able to shadow me was if you did a project. And it was all because mom and dad were gone somewhere. So you and Austin were staying with me. He went to like basketball camp for the week. And then you came to work with me. Yeah. And like, so you shadowed me for a week and then had to present a, a PowerPoint presentation that Friday about all the opportunities you saw that we were missing in our department. And you presented like a 30-minute presentation. And my boss was like, what the fuck? She's 14. <laughs> and these are all really valid points. And like, we should hire her tomorrow, but she doesn't even have a high school degree. And it's moments like these that really questioned if I should have gone into business school in college <laughs> yeah. instead of music. Well, I, I th but I think it speaks to and why I brought it up is that you are really great at observing people like you're very tuned in. I think it's partially because it's your it's your um like defense mechanism to yeah. like if you're aware of what's going on and where people are at you are able to react faster than they do but you're also you're naturally very observant and in tune to people at an emotional uh, like you high emotional intelligence level so it's I also didn't think I I didn't realize I was so empathetic until I was more an adult oh yeah so but now to like look back on certain situations and be like oh that's why I I cried for like Five hours because, like, it really affected me. Well, and you're so good at at, at um, fixing things for people that yeah. when people are empathetic, I think that they – you have to put into practice things like yoga, which I know you enjoyed so much because you need an outlet to release all of other people's shit that you've decided to take off of them. Yeah. Like, you can't take it off of them and just leave it on you and think, I'm fine. Mm -hmm. So, all right, let's get back to fun stuff. Yes. Because I think we've covered that in depth. So I want to talk about how you ended up in California. Because, you know, when we think of home, I think we all consider Boston home. And you went from being in Worcester, like Massachusetts, for a very long time. I loved Worcester. Yeah. You might have different feelings, but... Um, I love my experience in Worcester, but it wouldn't be a city that like I was like lit up to be in. I think it's a very... It has so much potential. There's walkability. There's like the, the everything you want from a layout perspective. Yeah. Shout out to Clark University and all of my cultural anth anthropology and geography like that I'm applying right now. But there's so much opportunity from a, a physical landscape perspective to make it an amazing cultural city. And I'm so glad. I mean, I'm old. So I'm really glad that since I've left that they've been doing a lot of work there and that yeah. Clark in particular has been very integral in doing whatever they can to improve the city and 
Um, there's so many amazing people that are there that love Worcester. They really are. That's why I love Worcester because mm-hmm. the the job I had before moving to Kentucky, I worked at Starbucks, and that's really where I made like my closest friends. And I really was like, I'm super extroverted. I love talking to people. Yep. Um, if it wasn't, I mean, I don't think I would have worked for Starbucks forever, but like in that time, that's exactly what I needed. Mm-hmm. I met so many great people. Yeah. And it was just awesome. But anyway, so I, how I got to California, mm-hmm. the first answer is you. Um, mean big sister, check. Yes, mean big sister. Um, you had realized I finished my degree. I was kind of just your audio engineering degree. My audio engineering degree, which is yeah. what you're doing in Kentucky. Yes, mm-hmm. which um, the school is based in LA. It's but with your with that school, you can do um, your live in session at a recording studio where you live. And what's the school called? Uh, uh, recording Connection. Okay, or it's like Recording Radio Film Connection. So they're based in LA. You can be in whatever city. So in my head, I called them even before I moved to Kentucky because I was like. I know that I want to be in a studio. How do I do this? I found them online. I contacted them, and I got hooked up with a great studio, TNT Studios in Kentucky. Um, My mentor and the owner of the studio is uh, Dr. Barry Johnson. And so I finished everything. I was working at that job. I hated everything. And the job being the at the design agency. Yes. Not in the studio. Not in the studio. <laughs> I love the studio. Hated the design job. Um, and you always happen to come into my life when things are like at a low. <laughs> well, I care about you. Like yes. you're my little sister. So it's like there's this weird intuition where you're like, maybe I should call Jordan. Maybe we should do this. But you and Jesse mm-hmm. uh, gave me a proposition. Um, you you first angled it as, hey, I'm gonna be traveling a lot. I would love if you could come out here and like watch Bandit and watch the house. Yeah. Uh, Bandit's her dog. And and then it turned into, and you can move in. Mm-hmm. And I was like, what? What do you mean? You're giving me this option? What are you talking about? Yeah. Get the fuck out of Kentucky. Yes. And, and I need your help, by the way. Yes. Um, and then the kicker was, you have five days to tell me if you're doing this or not. You probably gave me like two days, but then I was like, I need a week to think about this. Um, and I took less than a week um, because I my biggest thing, the reasons I could not go were I don't have enough money, mm-hmm. which was true. I was like the moment I moved out here, I was broke in like two weeks. Yeah. Um, I had friends coming to visit me, and I couldn't leave until they came to visit me. Um, and it really, uh, mom and dad, mm-hmm. dad was like, go for it. Mom was like, I don't know. Um, uh, but mom obviously, like, supported me on, like, when I did leave. Um, but my friends were really the breaking point. I mm-hmm. told them, uh, hey, Kara gave me this opportunity and I was like, my gut is saying that I have to take it. I was mm-hmm. like, I don't know another time that I will get this opportunity. I don't know if she'll be living there yep. for much longer. And I just kept talking and talking. And the next thing I know, um, my best friends are Ben Prendeville and Sherline Galva. Ooh-ooh. They both live in Massachusetts still. <laughs> um, and as I'm talking to them, they literally changed the plane ticket to California. Because yep. they were going to visit me in Kentucky. Right, and they're like, mm, let's visit you in Kentucky or let's visit you in California. Hmm. California is way better. Upgrade. 
no, but I, th- I think it's a great example of like everything is, if you want something bad enough, you can rearrange everything and have it all. Yeah. If you really are willing to play the game. Yeah. What are the crazy things that you had to do to make it happen to come out here? Oh, man. Okay, so. For I, people, sorry. And I want to be clear that I'm asking you this question because there are people right now who have an opportunity yeah. that scares the shit out of them, but they secretly want it. And they have all these reasons that have nothing to do with their fear that are in the way between them and saying yes to that opportunity. So I really want you to like look list what the barriers were yeah. and how you got through them. So first off, the moment it feels really terrifying, you have to do it. <laughs> um, I know that it feels nice to be comfortable, mm-hmm. but every time every every good thing that has happened to me and it's not like terrified like you made an example of like walking in a dark alley that's not that type of terrified it's like you're anxious and nervous about like a new job or sweaty and like "Ah." yes so the moment you feel that you have to do it i don't care how scared you are you have to do it um so for me i told you yes Mm -hmm. i had maybe two weeks yeah so the first thing i did um I went through everything I owned, and I figured out how to sell it. Yeah. Because I did not have enough money. I knew the next paycheck I was getting. I knew how much money I would have for the drive out to California. Because you were living paycheck to paycheck at the time. Yes. Mm-hmm. I was living paycheck to paycheck. Um, maybe making maybe $800 every two weeks. Yeah. So, which for me was not enough because I had debt. <laughs> which is shocking to me because you were working a full-time job that – Way over 50 hours. Right, which, like, they expect families to live off of, and you were a single person. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so I went through all of my stuff and sold it. I, I had a yard sale. I went with our dad and mom and sold, like, I sold all of my records. And for a musician to do that, something really bold is happening. (laughs) Like I sold my record player, all my awesome records Mm -hmm. um, to get money. I sold a bunch of jewelry. I literally went to certain jewelers to see how, I went to multiple ones to see how much money I could get from each one. Mm -hmm. Um, I sold books. I think I went to the, I sold sold family heirlooms. I did. Sorry. I did. It did did cause a little controversy, but everyone I think is gotten over it at this point yeah i took pictures of it i know what it meant to me yeah um but it would the money meant more because it meant i was i was i had the money to go towards what i wanted and needed well think about that like your ancestors gave you something so that you could have a great life and that's how you used it and i I sold it no but you sold it to have the great life (laughs) for a better life like now you get to give them credit for being here yeah yeah, so I sold stuff, and let me tell you, if you think uh, I didn't get, I didn't get rid of stuff that I really, really liked. But if I looked at it and I was like, "Do I need you?" Nope. Okay, I need the money more. Yeah, that's what I did. Because you can always buy things again. You can when you always need them. buy it again. Like if something is replaceable and you don't love it, it's a great way, great decision of like how to get rid of something. Whether yes. you're trying to find money fast or you're just looking to minimize your life. Yeah. I'm trying to think of other things that I did. All right, let's list out yeah. all the barriers, right? So you didn't have any money. Had no, yeah. You had a lot of stuff and didn't know how to get it out here. Yeah. You had to figure out a way how to get here, like yeah. fly versus drive. 
You had um, friends who you had to figure out how to change the travel plans. Mm -hmm. And then anything else that I'm missing that you had to? I had to quit my job. Yeah. Which I don't think you were sad about. So that probably was the easiest decision that you had to make. Yeah. So. So you hustled your ass off and got as much money as you could by really minimizing. You took care of of your car so that could be your way to get out here. And your friends were down to change their travel plans with you 100 percent. they are my closest friends Mm -hmm. um i realized the other day that i've known them since 2012 because we met in our singing group in college Mm -hmm. and for me to know someone that long is a big deal um and because we've moved so much yeah and to talk to them daily and the moment they changed the flight and had no problem with it even though like it cost a lot of extra money Mm -hmm. it was the most important thing that could have happened. Yeah. It meant a lot to me. Well, it allowed, it was one of those gifts from the universe that allowed you to know, like, it's okay. Yeah. Like, we can do this. Yeah. Yeah. So, I did all that. I was super nervous about driving on my own from Kentucky to California. Yeah. Um, I had to plan out the route. I picked the hotels I'd be staying in. Um, and... I thought it would be really hard to drive by myself, but podcast and music really can get you through it. And I, I talked to friends and family along the way. But um, having done it so often, I love I, driving long distance by myself, especially westward facing because of how the sun goes. Mm, yes. It, to me, there's something really symbolic, and it may be because of how my life has been that it's involved these big trips in between yeah. things, that there's something so beautiful about having that time by yourself to like wrap up that last life to get ready for the next one. Yeah. I packed up the car. I put as much as I could in because you told me that like, and I couldn't, I also couldn't afford like a trailer. Right. (laughs) So I could only fit as much as I could. And I told you, you have a bedroom to fit in. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I think you sent me pictures and I was like, I can't live out of this. I basically was living in an apartment myself in my parents' basement. So to cut it completely down. Into a fifth. Into a fifth. Yeah. Um, And I I had to fit all my music equipment in like all the, and I was like, okay, what matters most? Packed up the car. Music and underwear. Everything else has to go. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, music and underwear. Um, I hated saying goodbye to mom and dad, but I yeah. packed up the car and then got on the road. And I think each day was about 10 or 12 hours. Mm-hmm. And I stopped along the way if I saw something cool. Yeah. I think I stopped at like a fudge factory and it was all this <laughs> like poop jokes <laughs> things. Um, I think it's it's somewhere in Oklahoma or something. But I mean, God bless America for having <laughs> amazing highway entertainment. I, well, I was thinking like the dichotomy between really elegant, intelligent, sophisticated, and beautiful landmarks between the Smithsonian and um, the Grand Canyon, and like there's so many Yosemite. There's so many beautiful things in this country. And there's so many monuments to humanity and our history. And the one and I see is the Fudge Factory. then you have things like the Fudge Factory <laughs> and the Corn Palace, <laughs> which, I, I mean, it makes it makes American road trips what Americana stuff is. Yeah. So I love it. And I love that if you are feeling bored with life, nope, 
you're not looking hard enough. Like there's so many ridiculous things that you can just go and do because they're silly. Yeah. And why not? I also love on the main highways seeing like big art pieces. Yeah. And my favorite, honestly, is seeing like huge T-Rexes on the side of the road. I love that too. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. Seeing the most random things on the side of the road is wonderful. I think one road trip I, I ran into a Doctor Who like the, what's the box called? What? The blue box? Well, just just TARDIS. The TARDIS. It's the blue um, English telephone box that he goes into to travel. So it's a TARDIS. Oh, you're so talking was, about Doctor Who, the superhero slash um, de- uh, detective, yes. like Sherlock Holmes type thing. Yeah. So there was a random TARDIS on the side of the road. And that, those are the best things to run into, like the most random pieces. It's like a gift from someone that you've never met. Yes. Hi. Yes, exactly. Mm-hmm. So, you know, as you're going on this journey and you're obviously leaving one life to, to go have another – Besides your friends deciding that they'll come out here and visit you, like what were other moments where the universe gave you a clear sign that you were on the right path? It was the day that I was arriving and I was in Arizona and I went to the Grand Canyon. And I haven't been to the Grand Canyon for years. Yeah, 15, 20 years, something like that. Um, And no joke, I pulled up. I didn't want to, I was only like there for a short time. I pulled up, I walked, I was walking to see, see the, to stand and take pictures, and no joke, um, a whole orchestra was playing, and I was like, what is going, I was like, do they have a new sound system? Like, did, did Grand Canyon, like, get super techie? I don't understand. <laughs> um, and I get up there, and I look, and there's literally this, I'm pretty sure it was high schoolers, they were just practicing like for the canyon, mm-hmm. all set up, cameras were going. And I was like, this never happens. What are the chances that the moment I arrive and I walk up, like this music starts going? And you can see it on my Instagram. I took a video of like, what is happening? Um, and it's so beautiful. I love the Grand Canyon. It's just so pretty to look at. And then mm-hmm. to have that orchestra, which is so, so, I'm sure, so rare. Yeah. To have it on the same day as, like, the day I was going to be arriving in California, I was like, all right. I mean, okay, this this confirms that I made the right decision. Yeah. So. I wish there was more spontaneous uh, soundtracks to life. But <laughs> <laughs> I want them at the most weird times, though. Like you're checking out the grocery store. Dun, 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 dun. I did want pizza tonight. <gasps> right. You're like, shit, my bank account is empty. Damn it. <laughs> but yeah it was it was so cool actually how i'm sorry i went on a little tangent thinking about if my bank app not to delete it but to if your if your app for your bank account as like you were it knew you were about to buy something and it could play a song that was either happy like you have money or the darth vader song like you maybe this is not in your budget like to have an audio cue where you don't even need to open the app because i got money right. <laughs> yeah and you're like yes i can buy 700 dollars worth of groceries right and Thank then the you. next song is like a country western song of like and bang, then bang, bang. we were poor. And you're like, shit. Okay, sorry. We can make that up. Perfect. Have that be part of the Powerful Ladies app. <laughs> <laughs> Here's your bank account edition. So since you've been here, you stayed with us for a couple months, found this dream job. And part like of the- you skipped over such awesome information. 
you just made it be like, you moved, you got this job. Well, I mean, that's kind of, when you scale back and like look at what happens, like, yes, you were here for a little while, you weren't getting the job interviews, or you were getting interviews, but not the jobs that you wanted. And then you had to get a part-time job, which is normal. Like you got to hustle while you're figuring it out. Yeah, I was. But, I was. I went back to Starbucks while I was applying for. Like I was calling studios when I was here. Mm-hmm. Like, can I please have a job? And they're like, you don't have enough experience. But then, but um, you worked on podcasts before, so it helped you out because uh, our brother and you and some of Austin's friends uh, created the Level Up Lore podcast, mm-hmm. where they talk about uh, gaming. Yeah, gaming, and we would make an additional story to the game. So we were basing it off the lore podcast, which talks about, like, the history of, like, there's a vampire episode or history of witches where there's so many video games. And so they wanted to take it with, uh, we love the video game story, so let's kind of enhance it. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I was working on on that podcast, and it was so much sound production. Yeah, because you were basically making, it's almost like the old radio shows where you were making an entire... Um, like TV or not? What would it be called? Just a show? You're you're crafting an entire narrative that was only audio. Yeah, I think one of the most intense episodes we did, and it was living with you. Um, it was the God of War episode because the game was coming out, and I had to recreate like a deer walking through the woods and like an arrow being pulled and the arrow like going into the like mm-hmm. or missing the deer and hearing people's footsteps. Like podcast theater. Yes. Yeah. And and that's like to speak to your your audio talents, like you are doing all the sound effects, you are creating the music for it, you are editing, composing doing, yeah. it, you are voices on yeah. it. Um, so it really was a lot of work. So because you had that experience and you had your degree, when you landed here, they were like, Oh yeah, like this makes sense. Yeah, I think having I feel like having level up lore mm-hmm. on my resume really impacted the decision that they made here. Yeah. Because I was doing 30 hours of <laughs> level up lore to begin with. Yeah. And um, no, it, it, I think that's what stood out on my resume when I was being interviewed here. So now that you've gotten here, mm-hmm. you went from being, when you were living at our house, to being unsure and broke, broke and nervous about what was going to be next. And then you move up here you, um, and within a week... You're posting pictures with celebrities. And I'm like, okay, time out. You, you can't move out here and have a cooler life than I do in less than six months. Yes. I think, I feel, I feel like I really felt that from you and Jesse. Be like, what? How did, why did you get here? Oh, We're now not she's doing too this. cool. Can't be friends with us anymore. She's got celebrity friends. <laughs> no, in the, um, it was so shocking because you see all these people on tv yeah and movies and you don't think you're ever going to meet them right so to now be working in a setting where it's like oh yeah anyone could come in um in my first few months i and again i have some pictures on instagram but i recorded jason sudeikis i recorded kevin pollack sam levine from freaks and geeks who's the sweetest guy um Karen Kilgariff, I worked with. Oh man, uh, Jonathan Reese Myers. So many. So like I can Conan O'Brien. Conan O'Brien. Yeah. Um, and yes. it was shocking. And you're so like, okay, you can't 
fangirl. You have to. <laughs> and one of the big things was like before getting this job, you were like, I don't know how you're going to do this because the last time I saw you with someone famous, you like freaked out. Well, when you told me that you got a job working on comedy podcasts, I thought it was hilarious because one, like you laugh at everything. <laughs> So to think that you had to have a job where you listened to comedy all day and, and then laugh. couldn't laugh, I found super hilarious. It was so hard. And then to think that you were not only working on comedy podcasts where you couldn't laugh, you were going to be working with celebrities. And of everyone I know, you historically have been the most fangirl <laughs> out of anyone to the point where we saw Edelman of the Patriots – out when Julian we were, Edelman. Yeah, yeah, when we were out um, on a, a Fourth Street Live in Louisville, Kentucky. Right, which is like a cool derby. hangout place with like music and food. It's and where bars. everyone hangs out when Derby is happening. Right, and we saw him there, and I made you take a lap. I immediately recognized him. I think screamed in your face. You did, <laughs> and had a mini meltdown. And I made you take a lap because. Yeah. I wasn't going to let you talk to him in that state no. to protect yourself and him. And we didn't talk to and him. And we didn't talk to him. We went back. I'm like, okay, now you can probably handle this. <laughs> Let's go talk to him. And he was gone. And you were very upset about it. But I'm really proud of you because you're meeting all these celebrities and you're on these comedy podcasts and you're I'm totally not, professional. I'm totally professional. <laughs> I'm like, whoa, <laughs> look at my sister go. Yeah. It's, it's, it like has stopped hitting me now. Yeah. When we're... Mind you, outside of work, I still fangirl. Oh, yeah, which my arm I think can I attest to when we were out the other night with Monique. And <laughs> we were at the um, Bigfoot, Bigfoot Lodge. Bigfoot Lodge. Um, and Johnny Knoxville walked in. Right. And I've met him before because of working in skateboarding. I never met him. <laughs> and d wouldn't have thought twice about him walking past. And, like, you ripped my arm off my body. Like... <laughs> The fact that you didn't pull it out of the shoulder socket is shocking to me. Um, but you also didn't scream. You just silently. I'm getting better. Pulled my arm as hard as you possibly could. And whispered in your ear, that's, that's Johnny Knox. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> but I'm not that way at work, which is the funniest thing. Because I'm, Thank I'm God, here. Because I'm really glad that you are <laughs> employed and doing great at your job. I'm here. I'm composed. It doesn't hit me anymore. I know who's coming in. Like, I'm, I have to be prepared. Yeah. It's when I'm not prepared that I'm like, okay. But no, there have been moments here where I have run, I've physically run into people. I'm like, oh, shoot. You, yeah. You're very famous. Yeah. Um, But no, everyone that I've worked with here is so, so kind. Yeah. I think a few people are like, oh, give me the juicy details. Like, who's mean or who's not? And I'm like, no one's been mean. Yeah. No one is rude. No one has done anything weird. It's mm -hmm. been so, so nice. They are probably too nice to me. Yeah. But, like, I even have... They're too nice. What are you talking about? I know. I know. And, like, well, the they know that you are the one who can make them sound awesome or not. <laughs> so, I think they know, like, ugh, can't fuck with the audio engineer because yeah. suddenly yep. she's going to make me sound crazy. Exactly. No, but I think, too, like, when you're in a, a work setting... And you meet someone that is has celebrity status or you really admire, you're so focused on the job you have to do. Yes. And doing it right. That overtakes and you're running everything. around and you're like, it's it's working here is like working anywhere else. Yeah. And suddenly you're like, oh yeah, hey Conan, I'm sorry, I gotta keep going. I gotta run to the bathroom before this next meeting. <laughs> Bye. And you're just like, wait, what did I just say to Conan O'Brien? It is the coolest thing when Conan O'Brien one knew my name and made jokes with me about Worcester. 
Yeah. To have that connection with Conan O'Brien is amazing. So yeah. Conan, if you're listening, thank you. Like well, it made me feel and so he's a special. Ginger, so we're not surprised. And he's a ginger. So you're already part of my family. I have two <laughs> gingers in my family. Um, but it's the coolest thing. Like to I've I've actually met a lot of people who are of celebrity status who are from Massachusetts, and that's how I just genuinely talk. Like, oh yeah. hey, I'm from Worcester. Yeah. And it's like a totally different feeling and mm-hmm. it's uh just a nice chat. Like we'll talk about Massachusetts and I'm we're best friends from there on. So let's talk about some of the shows that you work on. Yes. I work on the first show I got was uh, is called Yoas is Racist with Tawny Newsom and Andrew T. And the premise of that show is the premise of that show is basically people will call in. With questions about is things racist? Like, is this, is this idea or statement racist? Yeah. Like, some of the examples have been, hey, my kid goes to elementary school and was forced to dress up as a Native American for Thanksgiving. Is this racist? And it's like, <laughs> um, yeah, I'm pretty sure it's racist now. So working on that show, I love working on that show because yeah. it's, it's actually questions that I would have never thought about. Mm-hmm. And then it comes back to like, oh, shoot. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah, that happened in my childhood and I, I didn't know. Yeah, didn't think about it. Didn't think about it. So, when, yeah. So, yeah. What um, else do you work on? I also work on Query with mm-hmm. Cameron Esposito. Um, and it's talking to um, people who are in the LGBTQA community. Um, and she's had some awesome people on. Mm-hmm. Uh, recently, she had on the creator... Uh, Chris Nee, who created uh, Vampirina and Doc McStuffins, which our nephews love. Yeah. So the moment I met her, I was like, oh, my God, I've, I've seen your show. <laughs> They're little kid shows, but I've seen them. But um, she's part of the community, and yeah. she's made an impact on Disney and, mm-hmm. and having uh, gay or lesbian couples on, and that's a huge thing. Yeah. So I love that. And um, to, on the show, they talk about just their stories or the impact they're making or— Yeah, they mm-hmm. talk— it is similar to this. They yeah. talk about their story and how they um, have been impacted by it. And at the end of this show, they talk about who is your queero. It's a person, place, or thing that, like, made you comfortable in the world. Oh, I like that. Yeah. So, and it's all, like, great answers. Mm-hmm. Um, and I work, I mostly edit. Mm-hmm. I haven't recorded them yet. Um, a show called Bitch Sesh mm-hmm. with Casey Wilson and Danielle Schneider. Mm-hmm. Um, and they talk about. The Real Housewives of everything, Atlanta, New York, Orange County, Yeah, um, which your boyfriend was a part of Orange County Housewives. Yes, he has been <laughs> showcased on the show. Um, and so they talk about that and have different um, – I, I recently edited their episode with Chelsea Handler and their mm-hmm. episode with Kristen Wiig, so that was cool. Um, and then I have other shows coming out, which I can't talk about yet. Yeah. this They might be coming out once this airs. But we can add them in the show notes once yeah. it's, we can add them. And we can also add them to your Ladies We Love bio. Yeah. Um, but you also work on Hollywood Handbook. Yes. So, oh, man. Because okay. this is what I want to talk about. <laughs> this is where it gets juicy. Because what people don't – like, you don't think about it when you're listening to podcasts. But so often, you know, whether it's young Jamie from Joe Rogan, um, he's, like, the best example I have. Or, like, maybe even um, – yeah, we'll just use him. Yeah. But – the producer audio engineer often becomes part of the show either on accident or because you need help. Like I'm always asking you to Google things similar to what Joe does to Jamie, but you are now part of the 
culture of Hollywood Handbook. I 100% am. And how did you become part of the Hollywood Handbook culture? Like, what was the, the first thing that happened that got you involved? The first thing that happened, I recorded Hollywood Handbook when I first got this job. So mm-hmm. back in August of 2018. Yep. And... They decided I was going to be part of their main show, which is like the hour full length. And they have a pro, they have a pro version, which people pay for. Mm-hmm. So on that pro version, they interview me because I'm the newest engineer. I'm a female. I'm yeah. the newest engineer. Um, they find out that I have a BA in vocal performance and they, they have used that to their advantage to this day. Yeah. Um, and they are 100% jokesters. Yeah. I absolutely love them. I love being on their show, but it's, made such an impact on like reddit and instagram uh which is wild to me i have because people now know you as engineer jordan right and i i i make sound effects um i they ask you questions like you're fully involved i'm fully involved which i i actually didn't expect with this job i weren't expecting to become a celebrity no (laughs) i don't even know if you can like i can say that but i'm on a fan page we, I'm, we had the um, when we recorded with Laura in one of our previous episodes. Yeah, she was like, "Oh, are you the Jordan? Like Jordan the engineer?" Which I was like, <laughs> "What?" <laughs> she heard from other episodes of the podcast that she listens to of that like people talking about me. Yeah, and it was it's crazy. Yeah, and. It's even more wild uh, for those who are Hollywood Handbook fans and listening to this. I read all your Reddit comments because I'm shocked at how much you guys like me. I am honored. I'm truly honored. So thank you. I, I, I'm 100% myself on Hollywood Handbook. Mm-hmm. I don't put on a bid. Um, I, I, if the guys are going along with the joke, I'll go with it. But yeah. I I'm not a character. I if they want me to sing, well, I just go for it. You're just naturally a character. I'm, I'm naturally a character. <laughs> but um, no, like the biggest Im- shows that impacted me were I did stuff with Reggie Watts. Yeah, did stuff sounds really bad. I was I did stuff with Reggie Watts. <laughs> I was on an episode with Reggie Watts where we did random sound effects for a haunted house. Yeah, and the latest one that came out, which had rave v- reviews, um, and I was like the number one comment on Reddit. Uh, or Reddit Earwolf, I should say, um, was with Weird Al. And I had to sing a song to him, which I never expected. I truly love Weird Al. And, mm-hmm. like, our mom used to sing Weird Al songs growing up. Like, she wouldn't sing Michael Jackson's, what like, Weird Beat Al It. Songs would she she would sing Eat It to me all the time. Oh, well, our mother is... <laughs> she's, like, she's loves to be silly. Yeah. So, of course, she would choose the eat it version instead of the beat it version. Oh, yeah. But she it's not like she was p- pushing Weird Al on us. No, but That I, was just her being a wise guy around the house. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> to give mom credit. Like, what type of mother do they have? Like, is she buying Weird Al tickets? No. To my, to my knowledge, mom does not have a secret Weird Al album collection. Not that I know of, but I know of him, and I know of his songs and his status. So I was super pumped to do this recording. Yeah. And the fact that I had to sing at the end and almost insult him, I was like, I've, I'm done. I've ruined my career. I'm, <laughs> I can't do this anymore. Um, and it went so well. Like, yeah. my bosses were impressed. The boys were impressed, and clearly Reddit was impressed because I'm the number one comment on that uh, about were, the show. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, 
So it's wild to me that I'm singing yeah. on this show and now have these fans. Fans which have made, they've, ta- they've taken my sound effects and made them their alarm clock noises. Which is awesome. Which is crazy to me. Well, I want to say thank you to all those people who are embracing you and celebrating thank you. you. Yes. And just like, you know, think you're awesome because I do. And I'm like, yeah, guys, keep thinking she's awesome. Yes. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Thank you very much. And I really hope that when my album comes out this year that you like it yeah. and you maybe buy it and help me support my you. dreams. Yeah. Help support, support you. Yeah. And those asking, no, I don't have an improv background. I've never done improv. So thank you for thinking that I'm in pro- improv. I think your improv background is the Duffy Family Circus. 100%. Yeah. Because yeah. we're not very serious at home. You should hear all the Duffies in one household in one room at the same time. It is a comedy show in itself. <laughs> yes. 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 Um, so as we're wrapping up today. Yeah. Where do you put yourself on the powerful lady scale, zero to 10? Zero being average human, 10 being a powerful lady. Today and on average. On average, I want to say I'm a seven. Ooh. I want to say I'm a seven. This week has been harder. It's yeah. My emotions have been tested. Oh, yeah. So uh, uh, I've been like a five this mm-hmm. week, but to... I literally remind myself every day where I'm working yeah. and how honored, honored, how honored I am. Some boss in there. <laughs> how honored I am. <laughs> um, like it hits me every day that like I'll be driving to and from work mm-hmm. of like this isn't real. Yeah. Like I'm working my dream. Which is so cool. Yeah. And I never thought it was possible. And to have multiple dreams and be able to work on them all at once is yeah. so cool. Yeah. What are um, routines that you put in practice to be living your best life? Because you have such a full schedule. I have a very crazy schedule. The first thing I do Mm -hmm. is every day I say two mantras. I say, whatever happens today, all will be okay. Mm-hmm. I literally were like, repeat that in the car. <laughs> You're like saying it desperately, like, whatever will happen, will be okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then my other one, which you inspired me to say, is how may I serve others today? Yes. Which has made a really big impact because it's not, I sometimes don't like putting myself first. Yeah. So saying that mantra, mm-hmm. it, I've noticed that it opens so many other doors. Like I help more people like mm-hmm. I notice that, like certain stuff in the universe comes up and yeah um like if someone needs help with the recording I'm there to help out with stuff so I just want to be helpful mm-hmm. my my nickname not nickname but my two like words at work are helpful and cool I'll take that I'm helpful and cool which is a great I mean, two words yeah I want to be helpful and cool also yeah um the other thing my challenge for myself this year, and I'm, I need to implement it like ASAP, is getting back into hot yoga specifically. Yeah. I've noticed that my body's more tense. And I also need to be more, I hate saying the word self-care because everyone's self-care. It's one of the vomit words right now. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, I really want to take advantage of like getting massages or even getting my, this might sound really girly. Um, getting my nails done. Yeah. I like getting my nails done. It just makes me feel like complete. Feminine. Yeah. It's okay. I wear jeans, t-shirts, and Converse every day. Yeah. So having 
And I only get dark nails. <laughs> no, me too. I, I think, yeah, I think that just because something is girly doesn't mean it's bad. Yes. And I shouldn't have said that. I, yeah. I take that back now. Like, it's not bad. Um, I think like growing up, I had a lot of friends who were like, you don't go to the nail salon? I'm like, I'm five. Who goes to the nail salon? And, like, who has money for that? <laughs> who has money? Exactly. I had no money for a lot of things growing, like, even in adulthood. Yeah. So now that I do have the money, it's like, Ooh. oh, this is nice. Like, <laughs> yes, you can massage my feet and my uh, hands. And my hands. Um, so it's, it's those little things is nice, mm-hmm. especially since like, I don't have a lot of time to, d- I'm so busy. I don't have time to date. I don't have well, time to we're do gonna work stuff. on that. We are going to work on that. And all the Hollywood handbook fans know because the boys all joke about my yeah. love life. My so. commitment to you this year, in addition to you having your album released by Christmas is that you are going to find some amazing humans that yeah are out there and waiting to be friends with you. And you're really blessed. Like, you've had such amazing people here at the office and your roommate yeah. who have been really great at, like, yes, come and hang out. And, like, it makes me – I'm bummed that you are in L.A. and not in Orange County by me because, obviously, you just can do whatever we're doing. And the people down there love you. Um, but I'm really excited to, like, see who the cool, awesome people are that become your circle up here. Yeah, and I have met some awesome, cool people already yeah. at work, and it's – they don't realize how much it means to me yeah. to be invited to certain stuff. So yeah. thank you. To those guys. To those guys. All right. So last question of the day. Okay. Um, what are tools or resources that you recommend to all the people listening? Books, podcasts, movies? Um. So I'll be straight with you. I don't read. <laughs> and this and I- is when our relationship ends. <laughs> I'm trying to be better at it. Do you listen to audiobooks? That's what I want to do. Yeah. Because I, but the thing is, is I listen to stuff yeah. all the time, but sometimes I don't want to listen to stuff. So I'll like veg out on TV. Yeah. Which is still listening to stuff. Well, great news. You can get an Audible membership at a discounted rate through Powerful Ladies. Perfect. Go to Look the website. At that. I actually didn't know that. <laughs> yeah. Go to the website and you can get a special Audible New membership. Okay, perfect. So, so can I, everyone else listening? Yeah, I do want to do that because there's so many awesome books out mm-hmm. um, that I want to. Like, I still want to listen to Amy Poehler's. What is it? Yes, please. Oh my, it's one of the best books ever. Like, I need to listen to it, Amy. I can't wait until you are on the show because I was so sad when that book ended. Like, I just wanted more of that book because it became like my friend in the car. Yeah, and the fact that you had so many amazing people on it, like, was awesome. Good. Yeah. Shout so out now to I'm, Seth Myers. Now I'm excited to listen to it. Um, I will say podcast definitely. I started out listening to Guys We Fucked podcast, which I sadly don't have time to listen to anymore. Yeah. Um, and then it turned into My Favorite Murder, which I suggest to people. And this I'm excited about this podcast because I think it's something that we need. This powerful ladies. Yes, because you're talking to great people, mm-hmm. and I get to hear every episode. Right. And I think it's just, it's really inspiring, and I love all the stories that have come out of it so far. Every single one has been different. Yes. That makes me happy. And, and you know, it's really great having you as, like, our first test listener. Like, yeah. after every episode that we record, I'm like, what did you think? <laughs> because, like, I'm in it, and either... 
like I know the people, so I know how awesome yeah. they are. And, and I'm already in the podcasting world. Yeah. So you're you're a really good um, you know, bellwether for thank how is this gonna go. So thank I you, love that. You. But I am so honored that you were a yes to be on the podcast. And I'm so honored and thankful that you are a yes to helping this dream become a reality. Because we've been wanting to make this podcast for four years, and it hasn't worked out yet. And suddenly, you move here. You get this job. I didn't know that's what you would get coming here. I didn't either. And even if you didn't, we could have made the the podcast We would have made it work, yeah. Right. But there's something, like, I'm so excited that I get to contribute to you living your dream life, and that you're contributing to mine, and that we get to do this experience together. I agree. So I'm so glad you're my sister. I'm so glad you're on the podcast. Thank you for being awesome. I love you. And I'm so excited for everyone to get to learn more about you. Thank you. I love you too. The end. The end. (laughs) Jordan is a boss. She is smart and talented, hardworking, funny, and generous. She is a justice warrior who can't help herself standing up for people and what she knows is right. She is so committed to making a positive impact and giving 120% at work and for the people she cares about. I'm so proud of her for saying yes to the opportunity to come to California and the new life that she's created. I'm excited she went into detail on exactly how she was able to make a move across country when she was broke to say yes to a new opportunity that allowed her to follow her dreams. It's such an important example and lesson that there are so many ways to come up with the money you need and to remove all the excuses that you have to chase your own dreams. To connect with and support Jordan, you can visit her website, jordanduffymusic.com and follow her on Instagram at jordankduffy. If you'd like to support the work that we're doing here at Powerful Ladies, there's a couple of ways you can do that. Subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play, or anywhere you listen to podcasts. Leave a review on any of these platforms. Share the show with all the powerful ladies and gentlemen in your life. Join our Patreon account. Check out the website, thepowerfulladies.com to hear more inspiring stories, get practical tools to be your most powerful, get 15% off your first order in the Powerful Ladies shop, or donate to the Powerful Ladies One Day of Giving campaign. And of course, follow us on Instagram at Powerful Ladies. For show notes and to get the links to the books, podcasts, and people we talk about, go to thepowerfulladies.com. I'd like to thank our producer, composer, and audio engineer, Jordan Duffy. She's one of the first female audio engineers in the podcasting world, if not the first. And she also happens to be the best. We're very lucky to have her. She's a powerful lady in her own right. In addition to taking over the podcasting world, she's a singer songwriter working on her next album. And she's one of my sisters. So it's amazing to be creating this with her. And I'm so thankful that she finds time in her crazy busy schedule to make this happen. It's a testament to her belief in what we're creating through Powerful Ladies, and I'm honored that she shares my vision. Thank you all so much for listening. We'll be back next week with a brand new episode. I can't wait for you to hear it. Until then, I hope you're taking on being powerful in your life. Go be awesome and up to something you love. This episode is brought to you by ButteNouveau.com. You guys remember Lacey? She was on the Powerful Ladies podcast, episode 15. If you haven't listened to that, it's one of our amazing episodes. We deep dive into the world of 
uh, skincare and beauty and natural products and all the junk that's actually in what you can buy out in the in the world. After meeting Lacey and being really intrigued by the products she was making, I went and bought the facial starter set. Guys, holy shit. I have tried to find products for my skin that I actually like. And within days of using her products, my skin has changed for the better. Even cooler, because I told her, I'm like, Lacey, I really want to brag about these products and how awesome they are because everyone needs to know that these products exist, that they are natural, they are good for you. They help you not only not add to your toxic load, they help like get rid of it and purify everything. I actually stopped wearing a lot of makeup because of it. It's amazing. And she agreed to be one of our affiliate accounts, which is so awesome. So now if you go to butenouveau.com, you find all the products that you want. I recommend the facial starter kit. Start there, use code POWERFULLADIES and you're going to get 10% off your order. She also has an amazing program now where you can join her rewards program, earn your points and get additional points back. So every purchase you can use Powerful Ladies as your promo code and get 10% off on top of all your other bounties. So help your skin, help support Powerful Ladies, help support Beauté Nouveau. It's a win-win for all of us. Enjoy and please tell us what you think of the products. I want to know how it's working for you.